said, I really believe that the Lord's saying, my people need to gain strength for momentum. And I don't know where you are in the journey. You know, when you see a people collectively across, say, this region, the western slope of Colorado, um, we're in a lot of different phases. You know, some of us are in one place in the journey. Some of us are in another place in the journey. That's why the Bible says from a covenant perspective, you rejoice with those who rejoice and you mourn with those who mourn. And sometimes that's happening at the same time. And it's hard to know because you you have that emotional, uh, you know, whiplash when you move in the apostolic. Because when you come into a place, you're needing to touch each of those who need that nudge forward in the journey. And for some of them, for some of you... You're still coming out of the fog of last season and last year. For us, others of you, the fog is already cleared and you're seeing a path. And there's a, there's a sense of strength in you. But for some of you, you were just barely hanging on. And you came here today because you need that strength for momentum. That's all of us, right? Well... I'm here today because the Lord wants to release strength for momentum in each of your lives. It really doesn't matter where you are. This year is a year about birthing. When you study the year and you understand what God is speaking prophetically about this year, literally the year is a picture of a womb. In the Hebraic calendar, it's a picture of a womb with a snake around it, with a dragon around it. Does that remind you of anything? Let's turn to Revelation chapter 12. Verses 1 through 4. There was a time in the life of Israel when God said, I'm going to birth something. I'm going to do a new thing in the earth. And the enemy doesn't want to see it happen. I've got good news for every one of you. Whether you're a man or a woman, this year you're pregnant. This year you're pregnant. And it's about calling. It's about God's intent to bring those dreams into fruition. But hear me when I say this, there are many parts, and most of you women will testify to having a baby. It's not just a push, is it? Yeah, it starts with a seed. It starts with an egg. It starts with you having unnatural cravings for pickles and things that you don't normally want to consume. But your body is telling you something. Your body is telling you something. And this is a year when we need to be very attentive to the Lord's leaning for our lives. What you have been doing in the last year, he will want to shift in this year in preparation for the push. 
You know, I don't know what you craved when you were pregnant, ladies, but I've heard some crazy things. What did you want? Burger King. Burger King, yeah. Somebody told me that some women have a craving for dirt. Did anybody have a craving for dirt? I heard that. And I, I don't know if it's the iron in the dirt, but something about your body is telling you, I need potassium. I need magnesium. And you see that as a pickle or a banana, you know. Uh, but your body knows what you need. Okay? I want you to know something right now. The Lord knows exactly what you need. But, but we have to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit this year. Because God's going to meet you in the journey to strengthen you in the path. Because each part of that birthing process requires a nourishment to it. It requires different phases. So we need to be very sensitive to the Holy Spirit. It says, A great sign appeared in heaven and a woman clothed with the sun and the moon under her feet and on her head a crown of twelve stars and she was with child. And she cried out, being in labor and in pain to give birth. The red dragon, Satan, then another sign appeared in the heaven and behold, a great red dragon having seven heads and ten horns and on his head... Were seven diadems in his tail, swept away a third of the stars of heaven, threw them to the earth, and the dragon stood before the woman who was about to give birth, so that when she gave birth, he might devour her child. How many of you felt a time or two that your child was devoured, ministerially speaking? That that which you aspired to, that which you had dreamt about, that which you had pressed toward, didn't come to fruition the way you envisioned it or saw it. Or maybe it went backwards. Or maybe it was cut off. I got good news for you. You're still fertile. Can I say that again? You're still fertile. God is not so concerned about yesterday as He is right now. You know, there are a lot of reasons why we lose our children. And you put the blame on this and that and the other, but at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter. We face the loss. We face the grief. We face that experience, and yet God is saying to us right now, it's time to move beyond grief. It's time to move beyond that loss. And it's time to set an expectation in your heart for the newness of what God wants to do. Can I get an amen? Yeah. How many of you want to taste some new things this year? How many of you want to see some of the things that God has put in you begin to gain strength for momentum? This is so important. That dragon, you know, is always looking to cut us off, especially at that point of birth, but sometimes right before birth. Have you noticed that he fights us the hardest right before breakthrough? Some of us that stayed the journey realized that if we had just pressed a little harder, we would have crossed the threshold and come into that new place. You know, my dad showed me this cartoon one time of a guy who's trying to dig through and get to a tunnel that's on the other side. And there's like one inch of dirt between him and the tunnel in the cave on the other side. And he says, I just can't do this anymore. He turns around and walks away. And so we're not those who shrink back. 
But we have to press in at times. Sometimes we have to determine within ourselves to just stay in it. You know, half of my success in life is because I just didn't quit. I mean, just staying in and like Kendrick said, doing the right stuff, doing the right stuff at the right time. And then God presents himself in a new way. And all of a sudden the path becomes broad and we're able to maneuver freely. We find our our joy in that. But sometimes it's about discipline. Do you know that gaining strength is about discipline? Much more than favor or anything else. It's just about gaining strength. It's about disciplining yourself to do the things that you know to do. And that's the hardest thing to do when your hope is deferred. The hardest thing to do when your hope is deferred, when you feel like you're not going to see the other side of that tunnel. When you feel like it's just dirt, no matter how far you see it, just dirt. When you feel that way, the hardest thing to do is the discipline. Because the discipline comes with an expectation that God's going to be faithful to you. And if you do the discipline... You might be let down. How many of you fall into that that game that the enemy tries to play? You don't have to raise your hand, but I know most of us. We fall into that trap of, of not realizing that God is a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. But He is. However, sometimes the reward tarries. Can I get an me? Oh my. Sometimes the reward tarries and we don't see it like Abraham. Our generation sees it. And yet, the inheritance is very intact. Do you know you can't do anything without seeing inheritance for it if you do it in obedience and in faith? Nothing. But if we believe that, the discipline wouldn't be difficult. It's that we don't believe that. And so we fall into that place of hope deferredness. And we make choices to not press into the discipline. So I'm going to talk about some of the discipline today. Can I get real practical with us? We need to because sometimes we just need to look at this inventory again. And I'm going to use some natural natural phrases. But number one, if you want to gain strength, you need to exercise what exists. Some of us are looking for everything else. I need something else other than what exists right now. I want higher. I want greater. I want bigger. I want better. I want more. That, that, that longing sometimes causes us to not realize what we've already gained. Do you know how much is in you right now? Not if you see it through the lens of what it isn't. Let me say that again in another way. Sometimes we see ourselves in the journey and we only see ourselves through the lens of what we think we're supposed to be rather than valuing all the ground that we've gained. We've gained immense ground, Kedrick. It's unbelievable. I mean, just watching the the pictures and the testimonies of what's happening. I know some of you are going through a a fiery trial and difficult times. But collectively, 
You know what you've been faithful to do over the last 17 years? You've been faithful to sow into ministries like ours. Every month, Tim set that course and you've continued that course. And you saw pictures of the Philippines, but many of you don't even know what we're doing in Mexico. You only hear a little faint you know, testimony about it because I'm a terrible communicator. Amen. <laughs> it's true. I get here and I have to just speak what God says. I can't tell you all the other stuff. We have to catch up some other time and we don't have some other time. We need some other times just to hang around and talk about the goodness of what God is doing. But hear me when I say this. Back when we started this thing and we were working in Mexico and you guys began to, as a people on the western slope, take Mexico under your wing. The same way you took the Philippines under your wing. The same way you took Peru under your wing and you said, you know, that's something we need to sow into. You've been sowing into us ever since then. And you know what it's turned into? Forty-something churches from five different states. Many moving Bible schools, leaders that are, that are seeing transformation take place in unprecedented ways. It's incredible what God's doing. I'm headed there next week and we're gathering the whole tribe, all the tribes together, have a big blowout time. And you know what? What you're sowing into strengthens me to have momentum in what I'm doing. Now, I don't know if you're giving from a place of lack. Or you're giving from a place of abundance. But either way, it's moving into momentum. It's moving into momentum. You know why it's moving into momentum? Because you've disciplined yourself to be a giver. I want you to see the two sides of this thing. Because sometimes we get weary in well-doing. Sometimes we're just drudging along and we don't see the breakthrough and and it's like David cried out and he said I see all the wicked yeah. prospering and here we are in a place of lack Lord what gives he got better at the end of the psalm but he started it out pretty bad he would be in those places where he's like God where are you I know you're there Lord and I know some of you are in that place right now and I've got good news for you you are pregnant, whether you like it or not. And now is time to gain strength for that which is coming. Alright. Exercise what exists. You ready for B? Number two. You're not going to like this, but it's the same phrase. Only spelled differently. Exercise what exists. You need to get rid of some things. That have kept you in the ruts. That have caused last season to not see its fruitfulness. Stinking thinking. Listen to me. Some of you have believed lies about your future. Not because you believed them. But because you settled for them. Because you didn't see enough of your future manifest. To have faith to press forward. Father, just release a gift of faith into this room. Release a gift of faith into this room right now for destined intent, Lord. Some of us need to just hope again. 
Hope deferred makes the heart what? Sick. If you haven't seen that thing come to pass, if some of you are just literally, it's not even on the shelf, it's like in the toilet now. That dream that once was so shiny and bright and so vivid, it left the shelf and fell in the toilet. It's time to take it out and clean it off. It's time to begin to gaze upon it again. Because it's it's still in there inside of you. And you can't. The, the call and the gifts of God are without repentance. It's there. It's in you. It's a part of your identity. It's a part of that which brings inheritance to your life. But for some of us, we inherited generational things that we haven't gained the victory over. We've been duped by the enemy into believing some lies. And so we are aborting the process by cutting ourselves off and not staying in faith. This is a season where God is saying, I'm not upset with you. But I am longing to see the inheritance that I place within you manifest. Maybe you feel like God's upset with you. That should be an encouraging word. He's not. He got over your sin before you were born. Hadn't bothered him a bit. It bothers you. It affects you emotionally. Bodily. He longs to see you in liberty and fullness. Hear him cheering you on this year. It's time to hear daddy. Literally, the Bible says he dances over. He sings over you. He's your daddy. He's calling out and he's saying, it's okay. Stay in it. 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 Don't let go of that which has defined you in the last season because it's still there. You're still pregnant. The baby just haven't come forth in fullness. We got to eat the right stuff. You want to gain strength? We are feeding ourselves with everything but the Word of God. Think on these things whatsoever things are honest and pure and lovely and good report. What are we what are we consuming? Well, if it's on Facebook, we're consuming a lot of it. If it's on Instagram, I'm full. What are we consuming? What are we eating? Because it's either it's either fortifying us and making us strong. Or it's diminishing us. I was in a meeting last night and I just showed up. Just showed up. And, you know, Houston is on the move right now. And there's exciting things happening. You know, I'm up on the stage prophesying like a wild man. Because God is developing models. And Houston is primed as one of the large cities that will begin to see the church come together on a, in a kingdom dynamic like few cities have. Or will. I was up there. I was so excited. I just showed up and I got full. How many of you just showed up today and you feel a little different than you did when you came in? I mean, after all that awesome worship, Josh, I wanted to cuddle up next to the fireplace and just fall asleep. 
But the Lord said, now it's your time to show up. I said, okay, I'll put myself aside because I really did want to crawl up next to a fireplace because it was just such a sweet place in the spirit. How many appreciate that? Josh, thank you, Dan. Thank you. And congratulations because I haven't been able to be here, but exciting to see you meet your new bride. Yeah, every time. Don't send your kids to the mission field. <laughs> no, please send them. Both my, I mean, I minister in Mexico. Both my kids very Mexicans. Just, I don't know. It was in the water. You know? <laughs> Eat the right stuff. Now, that just sounds like a discipline, but you know how much time we consume the wrong stuff compared to the time we spend consuming the right stuff? That's a discipline, folks. That is an absolute discipline. And if you want to have strength or momentum, if you want to have strength or momentum, no, I don't want to move past hope deferredness. I'd rather stay right here and have a suck year. Anybody want to get in that line? You will by default get in that line. If you don't step into another line and step out of that rut and move forward into destiny. This doesn't have to be a suck year. It can be a push year. It can be a push year to see things birth, to see things come in. This is a year. It's a harvest year. That's what it means. It's a time for the fruit to come forth. It's a time where the almond tree is budding. It's a time where things are coming forth. We need to take whatever supplements we need. I consider that continued education. I don't know where you go to church. I don't know which group you hang out with. But all of you along this, this western corridor. You're a little bit lawless. And a little bit, little bit independent. Have you noticed? Yeah. Just a little bit, you know, I mean, a bunch of outlaws. I love it. I love that part because it's caused you to have a certain way of thinking, a certain way of going after things. But you know what it's also done? Sometimes it's caused you to hold tight to that which is dead. Sometimes it's caused you to die for no reason. Sometimes it's caused you to hide out in the cave rather than come out of the cave and discover the strength that's in this room. You guys need the Colorado Coalition. You don't know how much you need it, or maybe you do. But more and more, you're going to understand the importance. I guarantee you right now in China, where they can only meet in three or four people to a room, they're excited about whatever covenant ties they can have and they're trying to figure it out. Because they know the strength that comes in our corporality. We're not just tribal. We, are, we have a national identity. And so the enemy wants to cut off our national identity so that we never come into unity in the spirit and move forward in a region. The enemy loves to keep us in our tribal mindsets. He works hard to do that. He wants you to see the tree and ignore the forest. 
He set that in motion. It's designed to keep you blind of the bigness of what he wants to do within a region. But you're not a people who fall for that. Yet, how easy is it to fall back into that mindset? Continued education is something you probably can't get where you are. It happens in meetings like this. It happens when you go to prophetic meetings, prophetic gatherings, strategic intercessory times, trainings. And I don't know, I don't know where you're eating, but whatever you need, whatever you need to consume, whatever supplement you need. I know your pastor's awesome. I know you've got good teachers, Amen. but you might not have a good prophet. You might not have good apostolic people in your midst. You need to find those who can pour that element that you need, that supplement that you need, so that movement can begin to take place. Do not stay where you are and go, well, it's just the way it is. It's not just the way it is. It's just the way you choose for it to be. The way it is, is you're pregnant. And it's time to get some supplements in you. It's time to eat the right stuff. It's time to set that discipline in place. The next one is we need to see some healing of emotional brokenness take place. Sometimes we can't gain strength because we're broken. You like you tell a person who thinks they're ugly that they're beautiful, they can't hear you. You can say it every day to them, you're beautiful. They will hear you patronize me. That's what they'll hear. You're beautiful in that. You believe that? Listen to me. I can't heal your brokenness. You have to engage that process. Sometimes, sometimes it's letting go of the grief that you're still holding on to. You're so holding tight to that loss that you can't lay hold of what's right in front of you. Let go. Let go. Let the healing balm of Gilead just anoint you well. Because it's time for something new to come forth. Can I get an amen? Forgiveness issues, that's key, folks. Some of you are in bondage because every time you're around certain people, you're not happy. Am I talking to the right people? Some of you, literally, you can't be in the same room as some people. That's not because they're bad people. It's because you're holding on to the fact that they're bad people. You're holding them hostage. You're casting judgment on them. Therefore, you can't see them through God's eyes. And literally, the fact that you're walking in forgiveness has put you in a cage. You have to let them go. I know they deserve it. But you are not the judge. You are not the one. In fact the Bible says in the parables. It says if you're not willing to deal with those who have done against you. 
the Lord will turn you over to the tormentors. Who are the tormentors, do you think? Well, they're those those demonic things that visit you with anger and rage and frustration and and, and revenge and all of those things that you rehearse. Well, you think that's in you? That is there because you open the door through unforgiveness. Shut the door. Shut the door and the tormentors have no place. Deal with whatever offense you have. Don't carry it into this year. You will not move in strength with offense. You will not move in strength with unforgiveness in your life. It will not happen. You will not have the momentum to push because when it comes time to push, they will show up. The enemy will make sure the accuser stands before you and says, I want that baby. Don't let it happen. We got to get plugged into the life source daily. Fellowship, presence. Times like this right now. I don't know if you're getting enough of that. Some of you guys, you're you're just hanging on in your region and it's been dry, it's been difficult. and, And so I'm saying, find ways... To find strength and rally strength. And sometimes that's numbers. You know, Kedrick, you guys have to strike the balance. Y'all all have responsibilities. You have to strike the balance between some of these groups who are just barely hanging on. Even as you have. I've seen you going into Cortez and doing things. But hear me when I say this. Some of the strength is waned because we haven't rallied around it. When those who are mourning have mourned, we haven't mourned with them. We've just said, I hope you get through it. Or we've said, I don't know what to say, so I'm just not going to come around. Let it not be so with your people, Lord. Grace us with your compassion, Grace us with your love. Let us be the most responsive people on the planet. And then the last discipline. This is a this is a prophetic discipline. This happens by staying in the presence of the Lord. But know when it's your time. Know when it's your time. Do you know there are times to seize the day? There are times to step through that window. There are times when God opens the door and we go, I don't know, Lord. I don't know. I know you're faithful, but if it's really you, open it up again. If it's really you, do it again, Lord. What are we playing? What game are we playing other than a fear game? That's just fear. Staring us down and saying, do not Cross that threshold and see how good God is. Don't do that. We have to seize those times. This is a year where there will be times of birthing. And it doesn't all happen at once. We don't like just all push at the same time and have a big push service. Some of you are birthing. Some of you are travailing. Some of you are being strengthened. We all have babies in different ways. Some of you, you only need three months to birth this thing. Some of you, you need the next three and a half years. You got a bigger baby. It's all right. Do what needs to be done. Okay? Now that's the discipline side. I want to share with you something. I want you to read a scripture with me. 
Um, Proverbs chapter 10, verse 9. If you turn there with me. Or click there with me. Or if you have your Bible memorized. Or just ask Siri where it is. You'll figure it. You'll find it. <laughs> Proverbs chapter 16, verse 9. 16, verse 9. You guys need to hear through the prophetic, okay? <laughs> Come on now. Thought you were a sharper bunch than that. All right, Proverbs chapter 16, verse 9. In their hearts, humans plan their course, but the Lord establishes their steps. So the preparation is key, right? The preparation is key. The discipline is key. But you know, it's God who brings the increase. The Bible says the promotion doesn't come from the east to the west. But it comes from the Lord. You cannot just do the discipline. You've got to make sure that you're walking humbly before your God. You've got to make sure that you're walking in a consecrated way. Because it prompts God's movement in your life. Or it can't cut it off. It can't cut it off. You know, it's a consequence. We lose out on inheritance because of iniquity. We do. You know, now, some of you might think heaven's the only inheritance I need. You're going to be real disappointed when you get there and everything you've done burns up in front of you. I made it there. That's cool. But there are things we're supposed to be doing on the other side of eternity. And by the way, you're going to be doing it forever. You might need some inheritance. So there's a pressing toward. We need to, we need to lay hold of that. And then 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15. It's another preparatory thing. And this is the Lord speaking to some of you. You grew up in church and you read your Bible so much that you think you don't need it anymore. Because you got so much of it in your heart. And God wants you to read your Bible through a new lens this year. You're pregnant. You need to see new things. New things that He's going to show to you. Reading the same scripture you've read all these years, God is going to illuminate what He needs you to access for strength. Are you hearing this? For strength. Study to show thyself approved. We know it, right? Unto God a workman that needeth not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Let me give you a little testimony about myself. As a young person, I felt the call of God upon my life. And fortunately, I had a few leaders in my life who had an insatiable hunger for the Word of God and loved the Word of God. I didn't. I hadn't read a book in my entire life. In fact, the only book I read in high school was Huckleberry Finn. Every other book, I read the first and last sentence of every chapter. Gave my book reports, made happy bees. I hated to read. Ironically, I'm a minister now. But when when the Bible came alive to me, I began to cry out to the Lord and say, Lord, I don't get this. I want to see you in it. I want to know you. And I began to read the word. Something began to happen to me, and I, I just had this appetite for the Word. I don't know if you've ever been through that season in your life. 
But some of you have. And for those of you who haven't, you need that season to come upon you. Because that is the foundation that you draw truth from. That is that, that place where you go to find out and access the fullness of who God is. If you don't know the fullness of who God is, you'll think he's Santa Claus. Or you'll think he's some other thing that he's not. I mean, when I started reading the minor prophets, it scared the fully out of me. I started seeing a guy who was serious. I just read the book of John. God is love. God is love. God is love. And then David says in the Psalms, he disciplined me, but not unto death. Well, I'm glad you survived it, David. I have felt like David a few times. Why is he so serious? Because he wants to get you back for being dumb? No, because your inheritance is on the line. Your inheritance, the things he predestined, the things he put into you. When he was knitting you together in your mother's wombs, they're still on the line. That's why the Bible describes David as being faithful in his generation. He responded to those things. That's what this is. So I studied, man. I studied, and I read, read, and I read. I remember I sat down one, one week, and just in the time that I would normally in my afternoon after basketball practice, uh, after, you know, going to school and all that, just during my TV time, I read the Bible, and in one week I read the New Testament. It's not that big a book. But we read it like two verses at a time. And yet when you read it in its fullness, when you read it book after book after book, it makes a lot more sense. A lot more sense. So I began to gain those things so that when God began to call me into the ministry and I began to knit together, I remember I started out being very uh, traditional in my style of, of developing things, you know, and I was very teacher-esque. You know, you know, had my points. I was, you know, had all everything in order, my outline, and I didn't deviate from it, you know. And then the Lord began to move in the spirit on my life and everything got whacked out and upside down. And I had to learn to move by his spirit with his truth. He said the true worshipers of God will worship me in spirit and in truth. So I had to all of a sudden take all those things that God had given me and bring it through the filter of the Spirit to be able to share it with people. That wasn't easy the first time. That was a process. Not because God isn't big enough. It's just that I was small enough to not really be good at it at first. But the more I yielded myself to the Holy Spirit, I learned something about Studying to show myself approved. And I began to study. And I began to study. And I began to study. And I would take all those things that I studied. And I would put it in my toolbox. Some of you ministerial. You need a toolbox for the days ahead. 
ministerially, you need a toolbox in the days ahead. Because if you don't have that toolbox, if you don't have those themes and those ideas and all those things ready at your disposal, when the Lord says, now I want you to share this, you're not going to be able to grab it from anywhere because you didn't discipline yourself. You didn't prepare I'm speaking to some of you. You're like, well, God, it hadn't happened in three years. It hadn't happened in five years. Why is God going to use me this year? So all of a sudden the window opens up and it's your time. And, and you're still going, well, I, I, where are my tools? Where are my tools? See, when the Lord called me to Mexico, he called me like Paul to the Gentiles. He called me to the Latino culture. It was a lifetime calling. I knew it was the moment he said it. And I went in as an apostle. And I went into a place where they knew nothing about kingdom. They were just having a big party in Jesus, which was awesome. But the party was getting boring and they all knew it. Not because Jesus was boring. They just had run out of things to do. Because they hadn't engaged mission. They had only engaged presence. But when you start putting your foot to transforming the earth, it takes on a different complexity. And so I went in there and I said, Lord, where do we start? He said at the beginning, I don't have those tools, Lord. We've got to teach them about apostolic prophetic foundations. We've got to teach them about the fivefold. We've got to teach them about healing. Out of that, 72 trainings came forth. I filled my toolbox up. I've thrown half of those tools away and i got new tools now. Why am I doing that? Because he was calling me to an assignment that I had to have a toolbox for. I'm telling you right now, do the discipline this year. Do the discipline this year. Do the discipline. Because what God is bringing forth is a window, not just a window, Many windows of opportunity for you to begin to shine and wear his glory right out in public. It's time. It's time. Anybody believe that? And I know some of you are feeling depleted right now. But these words, they're carrying some encouragement. Taste it. Just apply it. Taste it. Just apply it. Now let's talk about the momentum side. That's exciting. The momentum side is exciting. You know, the discipline. uh, You know, that's my walk of obedience, right? The momentum, it's all on him. It's all on him. You know, it's this dance between humanity and divinity. As we dance with him. We do what we know is right. We walk in obedience to Him. All of a sudden, He makes our path straight. No longer crooked. No longer wearisome. We're no longer going around Mount Sinai one more time. We've been through the crucible of affliction. We've been through some things. And all of a sudden, He says, You're ready. You're ready. You are so ready. It's time to be strengthened and move forward. It's time for momentum. Momentum is one of those things that if it's not on your side, it's difficult. You know? I mean, you got, you got a big train. It takes a little bit of momentum to get that thing going. 
But all of a sudden, all of that weight starts to roll a little bit. And the engine says, thank you so much. And that train begins to move faster and faster and faster. It's not because the engine is stronger. The engine was just as strong in the beginning. But now momentum is on your side. You can't even stop that thing. Don't get stuck at a cross deal. You can't stop that thing because momentum is on your side. There's two sides to that, folks. Some of you are still moving from the momentum of 10 years ago. You've just been going through the motions. Living on revelation that's so old you can't hardly remember it. It's time to upgrade your revelation and lay hold of some things because God wants to give you a new message, a new sound, a new thing. He's doing a new thing. That's why He says sing a new song. He didn't say get together and sing all the old songs. Where are the new songs? they got to come forth, Josh. All you worshipers, if we're going to be a prophetic people, we got to sing a new song. Because if we can't sing about it, we're not going there. We have to sing about it. It's all about the tabernacle of David. We have to come into that prophetic identity. Otherwise, we're not going to access the revelation we know or need to move forward. Some of you have been in obscurity in your prophetic It's time to come forth in a new way. It's time to present yourself in a new way. You're the answer to our future. Even as other graces are, but you are a key grace because you're a foundational grace. Because the church is built on the foundational graces of apostle and prophet with Jesus as the cornerstone. If we don't have that prophetic new sound and new voice and new word coming forth, then we will we will stay in the momentum of yesterday. And we will die because when that last chug happens, we will realize we have been we have been deficit in the prophetic for way too long. And that's what happened to Israel. The Bible says there was a time when the word of the Lord was not around. There was a famine of the word of the Lord. Let it not be so in our day. For those of you who are prophetic, let me call you up. Let me call you up. Now don't get crazy, but let me call you up. Because it's time to begin to share what the Lord's given you. And it's time for those of you who who know how to respond to that in your apostolic nature. It's time for you to begin to press into a new level of revelation. To lay hold of the new. Don't try to figure out yesterday. Certainly don't try to figure out why it failed. You will spend a lifetime. The enemy will keep you focused on what you didn't accomplish. Rather than engaging the now of what he has for you. There's an amen in that, folks. The enemy will keep you focused on that. That's his agenda. Momentum comes. Well, it's a favorite thing. I mean, you can't. 
You can't be enough disciplined enough to have favor. It postures you to receive favor. It positions you to begin to enter into favor. But when God opens a window, it's because you're ready. Now your readiness, your readiness might just mean that you showed up. Or that you didn't abscond. There's a scripture in Talks about David and said, at the time when kings went out to war, David was on the wall of the fortress. And he looked down and he gazed upon Bathsheba. What was the king not doing at war? For some of you, you've got to do what God tells you to do in this season, as crazy as it sounds. And maybe you don't want to go to war. Maybe you were like, well, I had enough of that in the last season. Sorry. You're pregnant. you got to protect that baby. And the dragon wants to devour it. A few things about momentum. One of the things that helps machinery move is when it's well greased. I need about five gallons of oil to pour on you guys right now. The anointing breaks the yoke. For some of us and most of us, we need to get in the presence of the Lord and camp there as often as we can and just let the Lord pour out His anointing on you. Move from that place of strength because in that it's going to posture you for momentum because if you're well greased, if you are anointed and it's time to open the window, you're not going to sit back here and say, well, let, my, let me get my house in order. The window will close on you. You've got to be instant in season. You have to be ready. You know, we were in that meeting last night and Chuck got up and he's about to begin to prophesy and I don't know how many people well, there's a huge crowd you know and we're all postured and we got our notes because Chuck speaks in crazy words and stuff everybody needs a, a, a you know a, something <laughs> so we just get the tape not anymore we get the CD actually we watch it online see I've been through a few of these seasons <laughs> And we're sitting there and he says, David, Lord, get up here. Because the Lord's releasing that prophetic mantle. That's part of what he's doing in this season. And you need to prophesy over that. I have time to get my house in order. I had to be ready. I had to be ready. Every time you wake up in the morning, get ready. There's something going to meet you on the streets of Telluride. There's something going to meet you, you know, right here in Montrose while you're in Walmart. Something. They ain't no Walmart. They have a Walmart. You got a Target, don't you? Huh? You got it all, guys. In Montreal? <laughs> Are you hearing what I'm saying? Well, or well breathed. You need to be well balanced and rounded. Well balanced and rounded. Some machinery has wheels. And you know what happens on a car if it's out of balance? 
that car begins to make a noise, the wheels begin to wear off, they begin to wear down, you can't go where you need to go, the distance you need to go. For some of us, we've only been drinking of one or two of the fivefold graces because we haven't been around the others very much. It's time for you to figure out how to import that into your life. I don't care if you get it on YouTube. It really doesn't matter to me. You need to figure out how to draw from what you need to be well balanced in the fivefold. For some of you, you have graduated past the pastoral so much that you don't need it anymore. Actually, you need it desperately. You need it desperately. Each one of us needs it desperately. Just wait till your ship crashes on the rocks. The apostles are not going to come help you. It's a pastor. The apostles are going to say, I told you. <laughs> That's not what we want to hear. You're going to need a pastor. So, I, what I'm saying to you is some of your groups are, are, are a little bit anemic. Some of your groups don't have enough of one or two or three of the graces. Or they have a lot of this and a lot of that. It's okay. That does, that's not an indictment. That When you look at the body of Christ across a, a section of the earth, you realize that there are many different pieces and parts to the body of Christ. We don't all have to be everything. I mean, I don't have to be fivefold. But I need to be around the fivefold. I know what I, I'm good at, but I need to be around what I'm not good at. Because if I'm not around what I'm not good at, I'm not well balanced. You know, I used to run into people, you know, when we would do those gift things and, you know, all the gifts and people would find out that they're, they have a mercy gift or they don't have a mercy gift. It's funny to hear people talk about that because the ones who didn't have it were like, I knew I didn't have it. You know? Why well, mess with that stuff? That's not who I am. And the person who had it would be like, I know you didn't have it. But I can't compensate for your cruelty and rudeness. You're going to have to gain something. It's why we need one another. Next one. Momentum happens when favor is on our side. Yeah. One little push of favor. I mean, I'm telling you, promotion can't come from your hard work. That's your part. But promotion didn't come from that. God could keep you like, I mean, think about Jeremiah. His greatest success? Thrown a well. Prophesied to a nation that he was told beforehand would ignore him and cause him to suffer greatly for it. That was his greatest success. Favor was on his side. He didn't die until it was time. That might sound like a difficult life, but how much strength do we draw from Jeremiah? How much do we learn about the nature of God through the weeping prophet? 
who cared so greatly about his people that when he wanted to intercede for them, God said, I, I won't even let you pray for them. That's pretty serious stuff, isn't it? I just sent you to tell them they're about to be taken. And it's going to happen. And I'm not going to stay my hand. But they will survive after they come through this thing. He said, take a little deed and bury it in the ground. It's for a time to come. You see, what we're doing sometimes, we don't see the value of it. Because all we see is what we had to endure through it. I was talking to Mike on the way up here. They've been through a few things the last few years. You know, trying to discover how do we move in the accuracy of our calling and gifting and survive it. You know, I've had to figure out the same thing. I'm called the third world and developing world. That's a lot of my life, you know. But a chicken and a bag of oranges don't get me back on the plane. I get my vitamin C and I do like chicken. But I've had to I've had to find the path for provision to do what God's called me to do. And that's a that's a disciplined walk. Are you hearing what I'm saying? I don't have a choice. My choice was I live under a bridge as long as I can do it. And my wife's choice was not to do that. <laughs> because we need to be well balanced, you know. Have to find our path. We're to become one. You know, her calling is hospitality. She's gonna need a house to do that. Hard to do that from the tent under the bridge. <laughs> There's a way. I'm sure there's a way, but she did not feel called to pursue it. All right. All right. And then lastly, momentum seizes us when the window opens and we're ready and we're prepared and we've done what we need to do. And like last night, I stepped through that window and I began to prophesy over the city. And, and, And divine connections were being made. You see... God has been working in all these pockets all over the city. Nobody knows what anybody's been doing, Hardy. We have to discover one another. And all of a sudden, God said, I want to release a little favor on you, Dave. Is it time for him to release a little favor on you, Shani? Can anybody lift their hand for that? Anybody lift their hand for that? For God to do What only God can do, He doesn't always do it because we're so disciplined and prepared. Sometimes He does it just because He loves us. And He wants to encourage us in the way. I've seen God do some awesome things for me when I was still just in a mess. And yet, in His grace and in His love, He just showed His mercy. And He let me participate when I was... Not even seeking his face. I was just in survival mode. And he said, well, I'm going to let you taste a little bit of my favor so you can know why you're doing this again. For some of you, you've been on the backside of the mountain like Moses. You ran from something or you ran to something. Both are probably accurate. 
But it's time for God to have His way with you. It's time for you to enter in. Go through the window. Turn to Micah chapter 6. Micah chapter 6. Got two more verses I'm going to share and break this out a little bit. Don't want to work weary, weary you guys too much. I hope you are encouraged by this. Yeah. Hope this is giving you some substance. Amen. Micah chapter 6, verse 6 is one of those scriptures. You know, the title of this chapter in my Bible says, What God Requires of Man. With what shall I come, Lord? And bow myself before the God on high. Shall I come to him with burnt offerings? With yearling calves? Does the Lord take delight in thousands of rams? In ten thousand of rivers of oil? Shall I present my firstborn for my rebellious acts? The fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? Now hear this. He's told you. Oh man, what is good? See, it's not about sacrifice. It's not about that. Doing the discipline is one thing, but it's not about you paying penance for yesterday. You hear what I'm saying? You don't need to pay any dues. It's wiped clean. You do need to repent if there was error in it, if there was wrong in it, if there was unrighteousness and justice in it. Repent. You might even need to make some restitution. Sometimes it's required of us to make restitution. It's a part of showing forth fruit of repentance. What does he say? You know, man, what is good. What does the Lord require of you? But to do justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly with your God. Let me sum up this year to you right now. That is as far as you need to go. It is that simple. That simple. You don't have to get more complex than that. But it's pretty complex. Yeah. It's pretty inclusive. What does it mean to do justice? Because it didn't say be just. It said do justice. Interestingly, in the Spanish language, the word justice... And the word righteousness are the same word. Because they're so very closely tied. In our language, they're different. To do justice. What does that mean to you? What does it mean, Cindy? It's your window. To do justice. So to have that plumb line in you that stands for right and wrong. Do you know what? There's a lot of justice warriors out there that have their justice meter skewed. Amen. Even in the church, making its way in the church, we don't know right from wrong. We don't know the Word of God. The generations that are coming up, they don't know it. Truth has become so subjective that they don't know that it's wrong to be a homosexual. 
They don't know that it is a perversion of what God intended. A twist. That which will shut down and cut off God's intention. Keep you out of inheritance. What does the Bible say? Those who are caught in immorality and fornication, they will not inherit. What? It doesn't say they won't go to heaven. They might make it to heaven. Where's their inheritance? You can't experience what God has called you to experience if you're deviating from that which His blessing can rest upon. Do justice. I see it two ways. Number one, I need to have a plumb line in me. I've got an entire message I want to share about integrity, and it's about that plumb line. Do you know how slippery the slope of integrity is? You can start out with impeccable integrity and chip away at it one bad decision at a time until you're sliding down the hill into the sewer. No way to turn it around except God shows up. I've seen people who started well and finished very poorly. And yet the grace of God is ready to meet them in that slide. Say, we're going to stop it right here. (laughs) We're going to get back to where we once were. Where the enemy caused you to be aborted. Where the enemy ate the child. We're going to bring you back. I know I'm prophesying. A lot of what I'm saying is for one person in here. And it's so interesting when God does that. Do justice is not just about having that plumb line in me, but it's about seeing the injustice around us and not being silent. We have, we've grown pretty quiet, church. Because we've seen people called the church have a mean spirit. And so we want to counter that by being silent. Can I just throw the elephant out there? I can't do that. We have to instruct people in what God says the truth is. Whether they want to hear it or not. In love and in kindness. In mercy. But we have to speak the truth. And our silence is not going to measure well in heaven. When it says each man will be counted and dealt with according to his deeds. You're like, I thought I wasn't going to face that when I got to heaven. Actually, the Bible says each man. Yeah. See, you suffer inheritance. That's what happens. You know where that weeping and gnashing of teeth comes from? Realizing what you missed out on as you're entering in. The Bible describes you as Corinthians as one being saved, but as if going through the flames. You realize what really was done in faith versus what was done out of survival or just going through the motions. All right. Do justice. Love kindness. Some of you really are good at that already, but some of us are not so good at it. I have to really be intentional about being loving and kind. It's not normal for me. I don't know if you know that. I mean, I mean, I'll just give you a story of my. I'll give you a story. Story of me and my brother. Me and my brother. How many of your siblings are very different than you? I mean, you're just like 
Well, you know, I fell on the truth side. He fell on the mercy side. It just happened. You know, my brother is just a loving, compassionate. He's on staff at one of the largest churches in Houston, just serving and loving God and doing awesome things. And, you know, we're driving one day and we clipped a squirrel. I don't know how bad we got him. I know. All you mercy people. We clipped a squirrel. We're actually going fishing. So, we're, you know, we're on mission. We're going fishing somewhere. We clipped a squirrel. And the first thing that goes through my mind is the birds are going to have a good meal. <laughs> the first thing that goes through my brother's mind is we need to stop. And I might have to give him mouth to mouth. I remember when he shot his first deer. He's a hunter. He loves to hunt. But he's a compassionate hunter. <laughs> Sounds like an oxymoron. But it's true. So I'm, he's cleaning the deer. You know. Actually he's crying over. But I'm videotaping him. While he's crying. And reciting the story of how this deer walked out and looked at him. You know, <laughs> what I'm saying is, some of us need another dose, okay? Because we're missing out on the love and kindness. You need to figure out this year how to press into love and kindness as much as you've needed it. Amen. This is a year. Do justice. All right? Love, kindness. And then the last one, this is what's so key because this, if, if I can say anything to you, this is going to be the, the, what's the word I'm looking for? The prerequisite for your fruitfulness. This is really what defines if it's all about you or all about God. That's what I'm about to tell you. Walk humbly before your God. Walk humbly before your God. You know, when I was growing up, I used to have this idea that humility was um, self-abasement. Because I saw people always, you know, anytime somebody would, you know, thank them or they would, you know, appreciate them or they would promote them, they would abase themselves. So, oh, no, no, no. All the glory to God. All the glory to God. All the glory to God. And while there's nothing wrong with that, that's actually self-abasement. That's not humility. To say I'm nothing is not actually a good thing. Because that's not what he says about me. He doesn't say I'm nothing. He doesn't say that at all. He nowhere says that. But we somehow think it's humble to say I'm nothing. And I get it. We're contrasting ourselves with God. And God's so awesome. And we're nothing. But actually, we're awesome. We are awesome. We are fearfully and wonderfully made. We are a nation of kings and priests unto our God. He has called us to great things. Because He created us awesome. So we're not nothing. Self-abasement is when I say I'm nothing to make God bigger. 
That doesn't make God bigger. Or I say I'm nothing to make you feel bigger. That's not humility. We need to get out of this false humility thing. You know, when, when, when Paul talked in the New Testament, he would say things like, I built like a master builder a foundation here that others are now building upon. I mean, just arrogant things, you know? <laughs> he didn't abase himself. He knew it was the grace of God. He, out of the other side of his mouth, he said, I can do nothing. I'm nothing. But it's God working through me. So awesome when we understand that. But here's what humility is. Humility is when I come into the room, you're more important than me. When I come into the room, you're more important than me. I don't even know you. You're more important than me. You're more important than me. You see, we're just not used to being that, walking humbly before our God. But Jesus did that. I mean, just look at how he lived his life. He didn't step back from doing the awesome things. But many times he was rebuked for doing other awesome things like playing with children when the church was going on or supposed to be going on. They said, Jesus, we need to, we need to go over here about the serious business. He said, no, this is the serious business right here. For such is the kingdom of God. To walk only before your God is when you make everyone around you, well, this is what the Bible says, to esteem others. How? How? As greater. More than. It's not that you're esteeming yourself low. You're esteeming others high. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And when you do that and you give your life to that process, you can't pass up the homeless person. You can't pass up the one who needs a touch from God. You can't pass it up. Because they're important. They're important. They're more important than going to get milk. They're more important. And that's what required of us, guys. That's what required. You want to see success this year? You want to have strength? You want to have strength and gain strength for momentum? You begin to do some of those things. You begin to shift. And instead of trying to birth something... Just be faithful in what you're supposed to be faithful in. And then all of a sudden the window will open and God will say, Push! (laughs) And it will be a quick delivery. Amen? It's such a blessing for me to be here with you guys. I know so many of you on a deep level and I appreciate how the Lord brings me up here. You know, my soul gets... Filled up every time I come because I get to see the natural beauty. But also just to be around people who I know love the Lord, but also love what's happened in my life. Some of you have invested encouragement and strength and finances. You know, we were at a time, you guys might think we have everything we need, but we don't. I mean, when you work in third world, sometimes... You're trying to decide, well, can I go to this nation or can I not? How long do I need to wait? And and a lot of time is determined by dollars. And we were at one of those times this last year. We didn't have the strength to do what we knew we were supposed to do. And Rich and Cindy, 
give me a call and said, what's your address, man? And they said exactly what we needed to get us to where we needed to go. Guys, we desperately need one another. No one's exempt. I'm not exempt. Tim's not exempt. Ketrick, you know, don't, don't think that without us combining our strength, we're going to see great things happen. That's why the Bible says strive to keep the unity. Strive to keep the unity. This is a year where the accuser is going to be on the road. This is a year where you will be tempted to align yourself with the accuser of the brethren and to spot all the faults and all the reasons for your unhappiness. Do not go there. Every one of you, I can sit here and prophesy what you're not. Every one of you, I can tell you everything that you're not. How encouraged do you think you would be? That's what accusation is. It's a prophetic declaration. Of what you're not. If we want to be great, then stir greatness in the person next to you. Stir greatness in the ones across the aisle. Stir greatness in somebody. Begin to prophesy what they are becoming. Don't prophesy all the reasons why they're not that. Come on. I think they know that. They need to know and hear. What God has called them to be. It's time that we become those sons and daughters of encouragement in this season. Because as the enemy tries to release that accusing word, it's all just to keep the baby from coming forth. I mean, how many of you just can look back on that one person or that two people who believed in you? That one person or that two people who didn't echo what everybody else was saying, they didn't echo what you thought about yourself, they saw greatness in what you couldn't believe. Be that this year. Be that this year. Father, Lord, right now, we say, just declare it with me, we will not enter into the assignment of the accuser. And if you've done it, just repent to him right now. Repent to him right now and say, Lord, I'm sorry I turned on the wrong ones. Just repent to him right now. Father, we're going to need your compassion. We're going to need your, your love this year. We're going to posture ourselves and get prepared. We're going to begin to eat the things that we know we're supposed to eat. You know, old man, what is good. Do it. Do it. Do justice. Love kindness. Walk in humility before your God. And I will open up a window. I will open up a door that no man can shut. I will make the path that is crooked straight. I will smooth out and remove the stones. I will cause that which you could not do in your own strength to be done 
just by one word, one breath. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for your mercy endureth forever. Your loving kindness will not fail. And you're so serious about our inheritance, Lord, almost like a daddy <laughs> who birthed us and wants to see some good stuff come out of us. Lord, we receive that call right now. And we just turn ourselves to heaven and say, do it, Lord. We will meet you and dance with you this year. In Jesus' name. Amen. Don't forget the offer. 